Okay, uh, welcome to the possibly third episode of the Penn State College Democast. Hi, my name is Tom Sarabach. I am the finance chair slash fundraising chair of the Penn State College Democrats. Um, here today with me is our first year representative, Aiden Nye, as well as our very special guest, uh, Sean Babaloa, an executive board member of the Black Student Union. Um, how are you doing today, guys? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? I have many tests. Something bad, <laughs> but I'm doing good. Nice to nice to be here. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um. So, Sean, why don't you just start off um, talking about your involvement with Black Student Union um, and what uh, you do with them on campus? Yeah. So, actually, um, it's really interesting. So, I came from a branch campus, um, or a Commonwealth campus, or whatever it may be, and um, I was involved in what would be, I guess, like a BSU there. It was called Association of Black Collegians there. And um, I was doing a lot of different like activist work and social justice stuff over there. So um, a lot of people who were involved in uh, BSU here kind of took notice about that and asked me and approached me and said, hey, do you want to be involved in BSU at all, the e-board and stuff like that? And of course, you know, being involved um, on my former campus, I want to be involved here as well. So I definitely jumped that opportunity and that's how I got involved per se. And um, <clears throat> so my position really, I'm the Black Women on the Rise and Black Women on the Rock Chair. And those are our two main kind of big events of the year that we have. And I co-chair it with another uh, member who's also a senior, um, Kenya, Kenya Broadus, who's, you know, really, really um, big on like really the, the whole kind of decorating of it and making it look nice. I'm really kind of like operational with it and things like that. But um, really those are two really major events. There's a lot of planning that goes into it. Um, you know, we, for Black Women on the Rise in December, we were planning since probably around May, yeah. um, something like that, like May, June. Yeah. Had the event in December, um, and if Black Women Rock is in March, we were literally planning the day Black Men on the Rise ended. So you know, yes. it's it's been a it's been a fun roller coaster. Um, it's been it's been really cool. And also with BSU, of course, we do um, just different stuff with different Black orgs as well, with Black Caucus and um, you know things like that. In terms of um, you know whether it be um, you know peacefully protesting or having discussions and stuff like that. So it's it's really a broad scope that I have um, with BSU, but those are the main things that I do. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. um, Freddie Purnell was elected uh, Black Men on the Rise for the LGBTQ area. Yes, he was. Yes, in he December, was. but he's yes. in the College Democrat. So awesome, awesome. Yeah, awesome, it was cool. Awesome. Yeah, Freddie has great, great stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Yeah. Um, so uh, we really want to talk about, uh, specifically because it is February, it's the last day, I yes. think, or second last day, um, yes. Black History Month. Yes. Um, so, like, I guess you could just give your general feelings on it mm-hmm. and then talk about maybe what Black Student Union has done this past month. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so for me, um, you know, Black History Month is important because we, you know, originally, obviously, it was Black History Week. It was just a week, right? Yeah. And then, um, you know, now we're kind of to the month. And it's, it's cool that we are able to, um, you know, really dedicate a part of the month to, you know, not just knowing about, you know, important Black figures like Martin Luther King and stuff like that, but really, um, in my opinion, really taking this time to, you know, highlight, you know, different things such as, you know, Black creatives and, um, you know, different people who are excel at areas that you wouldn't normally see, right? Because when a lot of people think of um, really, you know, people, you know, black people that excel in the United States, you're thinking, oh, athletes or musicians or, or a politician or something like that. And really, there's a lot of areas that, um, you know, especially younger people, like in college and things like that, do excel in, um, that uh, younger people of color do excel in, definitely. Whether it could, it could be something like literally cooking or something like that. You know, I know, I know um, a friend of mine who's, who's really, really young is opening up his own restaurant, right? So yeah. it's things like that that are really, really great to highlight. Um, and one of the things, too, is, um, you know, you don't want to just kind of, you know, limit it to a month, right? So it's, it's cool that, um, you know, we do have this month. Obviously, February is rather short. It's short yeah. of the year. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to limit, um, you know, what you're doing, what you're celebrating to just February, right? You want to carry over to March and, and April and really the rest of the year and um, be able to, 
celebrate black lives in different ways and even if it's not you know directly you know having an event or directly doing something um you know with the with the discussions that you have or you know the way you you maneuver it in the different um organizations you're involved in you know for college students or just or in the workplace for people who are older and things like that um you know really being able to either celebrate black lives or you know be an advocate and things like that and um in terms of black student union what we've done uh, which i think is really really cool and unique is we've gotten several of our GB members, EBR members, and those people in the black community to, um, you know, kind of have a, a mini photo shoot where they would, you know, take pictures by themselves, you know, take personal pictures. Oh, that's cool. And be able to uh, say a time where they felt that they had to assimilate uh, to white culture. Mm. And it's cool that they were doing this because of the fact that we're at a place like Penn State, right? It's a yeah. PWI, um, you know, nobody's blind to the fact that, you know, it's um, a little, just a tad bit over 5% of us that are on this campus are, are um, of African-American, African descent. So it's really cool to be able to have that and to see... Um, a lot of the different stories that have come out of um, you know this project that we've undertook is really, really interesting. You know, we have people on one side to say, "Well, I've never had to assimilate." You know, that are from a place like myself, like New York or something like that, right? Where you never really felt like you had to assimilate because you were always around different cultures. And you have people who are from, you know, kind of like middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, where yeah. like they're, on, they're the only <laughs> black kid in their class or some of that. So we've had different struggles, and it's really cool seeing all of that come together because there's a lot of common ground that we do face, right? Coming to coming to Penn State, period, I mean, even though I did go to a branch campus. It's the spectrum was mostly the same, right? It was it was um, I would really be like one of the only two or three um, black students in a lot of my classes and being um, a political science major in a place where I was, which is in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is a predominantly, um, you, know, you know, really, really uber conservative area. And I was obviously, yeah. obviously, OK, so college Democrats. Well, yeah. Democrats yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it was it was it was interesting. It was definitely interesting. And um, especially when it when it came time to the election 2016 and then things like that. Um, it was definitely really interesting and, and cool seeing how I had to, um, you know, shift some of the ways that I said some things or had discussions in class that would, you know, really get heated, especially in political science classes. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, it was cool kind of sharing that experience as well with other students. So that's really what we've been doing, the bulk of it. And it's been really been a really great experience so far. Yeah. So that kind of segues actually into our next question. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty big, like general topic. Yeah. Um, but it's just. I guess Penn State, as you mentioned, is very predominantly white. And yes. I was interested to hear your experiences being black and being a person of color yeah, yeah, um, yeah. on Penn State's campus, mm-hmm. like the good, the bad, the negative. Um, I mean, yeah, anything you want to talk um, about. I'll, I'll start with the good because I already mentioned some, some negative stuff. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think the good thing um, that, that I realized is being um, a person of color on a predominantly white campus makes that community so much tighter. And it's really cool having spaces like the PRCC, for example, right, where you're able to go into the space, see all the different people that, you know, that look like you and have had the same experiences as you. So it was really, um, it's really reassuring to see that. And I think it's really cool that we're able to um, really highlight each other in our different spaces and our different organizations and really, you know, come together as a community. And that's really great because, um, you know, obviously you have HBCUs and, and, you know, these great places where you can still get a great education, have a great experience. And, you know, I have a lot of love for Howard and, and, and Morehouse and universities like that. But, um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that go to those universities and they say that it's it's almost like going to a PWI, but everything's spread out, right? Everybody has their groups. Everybody goes one way, everybody goes this way, nothing like that, right? But a PWI, we're almost kind of forced to be together. So it was really cool. And it brings us, sorry, and, and it brings us together in a more um, really inclusive way. And it's really awesome to have that. Um, on the negative side, obviously, uh, you know, being in a place like Central Pennsylvania, you see a lot of... Um, <laughs> People with conservative ideals, and it, like, a lot of people do get voted, especially around, like I said, the 2016 time, right? So my first, probably my most negative experience came from my branch campus um, in Erie, right around the time of the election. Um, and I was walking back 
from a friend's apartment like 12 o'clock at night like one o'clock at night right? yeah and um i uh there was there was a white truck that, that was that was like speeding down um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing that the kids it, it was a weekend so you know you can you can imagine what was going on so, so they were speeding down um opened the window and then they yelled out like a racial slur to me and i was just i was like whoa like, wow like, like, what's, yeah like, yeah. What, like what's going on you know what i mean and it's 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 crazy because i had never um at least as far back as i can remember had um you know something so kind of like direct at me right people obviously like would like, like tweet stuff at you and that's 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 yeah. normal. that's commonplace I don't, I don't really care about like what you're saying on twitter because it's not like to me you know what i mean but just someone hiding if, behind if, the keyboard exactly exactly but if it's somebody somebody's literally driving past and it's crazy because they sped off like I, I could do something like you're, yeah. you're in a car like <laughs> it, it's just it's weird you know seeing um seeing things go from microaggressions to you know a little bit um problematic to you know just full-blown on you know racism that you're seeing yeah right and it's crazy seeing that on Penn State's campus that you know I wanted to be all in. I was trying to push for diversity, and with me, I'm, I've always kind of been a really involved person, especially in the Black community, and in terms of you know really just bringing people together in terms of social justice and things like that. So a lot of people, especially in the Republican spectrum, knew that and knew what the work that I was doing on my campus. Um, and a lot of people, I would definitely say, were either afraid or intimidated or whatever, just because of the fact that I was able to really um, you know bring a lot of people together in terms of our causes and stuff like that. So that was maybe a factor with it. Um, in terms of um, University Park, nothing as major as that, of course, but obviously at the beginning of the year when, um, you know, the whole white supremacist situation was going on, you know, with the flyers and things like that, yeah. um, that was definitely a big thing. And then uh, when the petition started, obviously there were a lot of, I mean, man, my Twitter account was just getting flooded, like with, oh, with people, sure. my DMs, my, my mentions, people were just saying just nonsense, you know what I mean? But it's, yeah. um that, like I said, isn't something that I really, um, I was as worried about, I mean, obviously I would look at it and be like, wow, like, yeah, like crazy, but like, it's like people are making fake accounts and stuff like that. You know, so people would tweet out our BSU account, our Black Caucus, and stuff like that. But that's something as as really intricately racist as what happened before, and that's really um, the point of the matter here was that um, depending on the area that you're in, and depending on the environment that you have, you can have different experiences, right? So the Black community wasn't as strong in area, obviously, as it is here because there's a lot more people here, of course. But I mean, here you definitely have a more open and um, you know, inclusive and safe space at University Park that we've created, which is really, really awesome for other students of color to really have and, you know, kind of, um, you know, be welcoming. But um, it's been really awesome to have that. So if situations like that do happen, um, there's definitely a lot of avenues that you can take to feel welcome, to feel comforted, and um, to report it as well. So, yeah, yeah, I, I know you said um, you kind of felt that 2016 ushered in kind of a, a new flood of racist remarks and kind mm-hmm. of things being okay. I'll always mm-hmm. think back to when Aziz Ansari hosted SNL and he mm-hmm. was giving his opening monologue and he mm-hmm. commented that the day that Donald Trump won, he kind of got the feeling that people said it's okay to be racist again. Yeah. And do you do you feel that ever since the election? I know you've transferred to a bigger campus that yeah. has a bit more diversity, but do you feel that that sense of racism has kind of increased mm-hmm. since 2016? Yeah, I definitely say that, um, you know, racism is definitely getting bolder. I just... Um, Myself and, and Marvin Barnhill, who's, who's a line ambassador here, who's another student leader in the black community, we just spoke at um, uh, the Black Male Empowerment Symposium. And one of the mar- remarks he made, which I'll never forget, was that, you know, it, was, it wasn't that people, a lot of people thought, you know, you know racism went away or racism, you know, is, is kind of done with. If anything, racism got smarter, right? So, yeah. so, so electing Donald Trump and, and, you know, putting someone in place who's saying these things to make it look political and economic and say, oh, yeah, so if you do, if you take these people out, you guys will get jobs. And if you do this, we'll be safer, right? He's 
low-key just saying we don't want these people because they look like this and do this and we want these people in here because they look like us and do that right but a lot of people didn't see that because of the fact that you know it was being masked by oh okay so you know the mexicans are taking our jobs kick him out they're causing crime uh kick him out let me ask you a question if you are here illegally do you really think you're doing something to get yourself locked up at all no you're not you're doing something to to provide for your family and to bring other people here and to make your to make uh to get yourself naturalized and actually become a citizen if i was if I were going to a country, right, and I, and I knew this country was the most, one of the most powerful countries in the world, and I was like, yo, okay, I'm going to go here. Um, hopefully, I make it. I might die coming here, right, but but I'm going to do my best. There's no, I'm doing everything I can to ensure that I get in no trouble and that I keep myself under a radar that is so low-key that nobody would notice. So the notion and the argument that the people that are committing crimes and that are raping people and, and, and coming is just is, is awfully false. It's, it's, it's completely false, and there's I mean, obviously there's statistics proof. You can you can look it up. I'm not, I can't. I don't have to go all day. But the fact, yeah. is, and on top of that too, with with, with Muslims and, and terrorists and this, that the most com- and, and to, to anybody here, this the most common terrorist group right now in the United States is white men. Period. Yeah, definitely. Period. Yeah. Completely. <laughs> right. So, and a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, Muslims are coming and they're doing this." People, people, and I've seen people at the airport flying on airplanes look look stare at Muslim people in the, in the eyes like like What do you think he's doing? Yeah. We're, we're all going to the same flight. He wants to go to destination. You're going to destination. We're all going to, to spring break or, or summer vacation with our families or whatever, right? But, um, you know, it's certain instances that kind of cause this mob mentality for people to say, oh, okay, so all these people are like this, all people are like that. And you have that one person who has enough power to rally enough people together behind that cause. And that is exactly what this election did, to be honest, to, to be very honest. Yeah, and, and you said, like, low-key mm-hmm. um, when he's talking about, like, immigrants from specifically Mexico and then mm-hmm. he... But actually, like a real statement that Donald Trump actually said was that immigrants, I think it was from Denmark, was the yeah. country referred to, yeah. are good because they're from Denmark. Yeah. And that's just like, yeah. it's blatant. It, and that's the thing it's that like, I think. It's a white country. Yeah. yeah. It's it just, I don't know. It definitely has, it, I think it's always been there in the shadows. But mm-hmm. like you said, it's gotten smarter. Yeah. And through the Trump election, I think it's definitely just become more public. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. Um, so I guess this kind of refers to something you said um, before. But in terms of being on Penn State's campus, what do you think specifically about the university um, and major student organizations could be improved um, um, to, I guess, make students of color more comfortable? Yeah. Um, in, in terms of the university, and, you know, I've talked to President Barron, um, to Damon Sims, and, you know, the like, and all the administration about this several times. And the biggest thing for us is when incidents like, um, you know, hate speech or, or some like um, the, the white supremacist posters or something like that happen. Um, you know, not only do we want a quick rapid response to it, I mean, obviously you have to assess the situation, but not only do we want a quick rapid res- response, but we also want a response that is inclusive and makes students of color feel safe, right? I mean, it's 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 easy for, for universities, especially public universities, most especially, to give safe answers on things and say, okay, well, you know, everybody has free speech. But like we said in the petition, right, we want... We wanted Penn State to, to firmly and completely condemn white supremacy and actually name, hey, we condemn this. We don't want this. We don't like this. Right. And that, that's one of the things that, that was um, kind of giving us issues was the fact that they were it was almost like they were scared to say we condemn white supremacy. Yeah. That, was, that, that was a big thing for us. And for me, especially um, in, in terms of the administration, if you have a problem with condemning something that that's, that's outrightly just hating students and, you know, can actually cause physical harm to students, and then there's a, there's a serious issue with that university, with that administration, with those individuals. And um, in terms of student organizations, I would say um, collaborative efforts. I know that 
um, myself and a few other student leaders, especially um, the juniors and the, more, and the underclassmen, are definitely working a lot to be more collaborative with, um, you know, ma- more majority of our organizations. You know, for example, like Thon. I'm trying to get we're trying to get a lot of our organizations into Thon that aren't really in there because we aren't really in that space. Um, you know, IFC, Penhill, um, even UPA and things like that, right? And we are we're really trying to push to get more people into those organizations at the same time. Also have them collaborate with us more and things like that. So BSU just had an event with UPA um, about two weeks ago. It was a meet and greet. We talked a little bit about, um, you know, what we could both do better and how we can both serve each other and things like that. And, you know, it's events like those and, you know, programs like those that are really stepping stones into getting people involved. Yeah, I was actually at the event. Oh, okay. I definitely, awesome, awesome. yeah, I definitely agree with you. And just the open conversation about like, hey, this could be better or what should we do is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, something, I guess, specific to the university and something I've heard a lot and definitely agree with is that um, a lot of students of color have kind of voiced the opinion that I think the professor base and the teacher base needs to be more diverse, mm-hmm. um, I guess, to reach out. So I guess, do you have any thoughts on that particular issue? Yeah, I've, um, I'm in, I'm an African-American studies minor, so I've been lucky enough to have a lot of black faculty, at least this year. But I would definitely say that um, it is an issue a lot of people have raised. Even yesterday, um, we had a pizza with the president, with, with President Barron and uh, with Damon Sims and Dr. Whitehurst. Um, and something somebody raised almost immediately was the fact that, you know, there's no faculty of staff or, or there's, there's not a lot, at least faculty of staff of color that are within their department. Right. So, I mean, obviously, within majors like African-American studies and, you know, other liberal arts majors, you would see, um, you know, a good number of black faculty. But in areas like engineering, for example, right, that are really predominantly white or it's something, something like architecture where you won't really see a lot of black faculty is um, you know where a lot of students find issues, because, of course, um, you know, professor is a professor for a lot of people, and you know, it's 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 cool to learn. But there's a different dynamic, especially for me, that I've noticed when I have, you know, a black male professor, or when I have a black female professor. One of my favorite professors so far, in my whole college college um, career has been Dr. Mingo, who's who's a professor in the African American Studies department and also teaches women in uh, gender sexuality studies. And she is such a gifted individual. And and what made it greater for me was that she could talk with in class about issues that a lot of us were facing, right? And a lot of, a lot of us had, you know, really you know, really identified with, you know, growing up and things like that because of the fact that she is not only a black woman, but she's also an educated black woman and is in academia and experienced a lot of things that we've experienced in academia and, you know, being um, in college. So it's really cool having that experience and having somebody who you can really relate to like that. It's really important. Yeah, I think just in my own personal experience, I've been lucky enough to have um, two African-American professors in my mm-hmm. time. And I definitely agree with you that I don't know what it is, but there's definitely a different dynamic in terms of just uh, people of color, but all students in general, I think it's really important to learn about like diversity and have a diverse faculty because mm-hmm. it's it's I think it's more realistic to the world. Yeah, and I think it, it definitely like robs people of experiences if you don't have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that across the board, we have people, specifically white people, who are speaking about experiences which they have had no personal involvement in, and mm-hmm. then when you have a void like that, it leaves the door it leaves a lot of people behind like black students people, students of color who can't necessarily relate with the experiences and the personal personal life stories of you know white faculty and mm-hmm. i think a lot of students get left behind when we when we we have that gap mm-hmm, definitely, definitely yeah um and then i guess kind of building off that um and you kind of talked about this in terms of black history month when mm-hmm. you're um, introducing different um african-american people who are maybe not in the fields that um or in like smaller fields so you talked about like writing um mm-hmm. do you think the university does a good job of kind of offering up um, different people of color that are writers and thinkers and from a great variety of backgrounds? Mm-hmm. Um, offering in terms of, in terms of, 
Like in terms of, I guess, educating students okay. about, okay. yeah. Um, I think it would depend on the department you're in, you know what I mean? So, for example, the African-American Studies Department here is definitely stellar. I definitely think that, um, you know, th- there's amazing faculty here and they do a good job of, you know, teaching stories and teaching different things that you, you know, you learned since elementary school, but teaching it the right way, right? So we learned that Christopher Columbus was, you know, a genocide, a genocide rapist, right? Yeah, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're, not, you're not, you're not, you're not learning that um, in second or third or fourth grade, right? But it, and also things like, like Andrew Jackson was, you know, a, a maniac slave, slave owner, right? Yeah. You're not learning that in second, third or fourth grade. Learning about, um, you know, the, the first, first black architect, uh, Vernon Whitson Tandy and things like that. You're not learning that in second, third or fourth grade, right? So definitely in the department, it, it definitely depends on the department that you're in. But I would say, um, you know, I haven't, gone across colleges enough to really experience it myself um in terms of like college of engineering or college of um you know uh what's it called everly college of science or something like that you know yeah. i haven't really experienced it enough to kind of you know go across those different spectrums but what i will say though is um if students do wish to definitely learn more about um african-american history or different african-american figures taking african-american class uh sorry taking african-american studies classes is definitely so key i, I definitely had a lot of people in my African 100 class that were on white students. So that's literally just wanted to learn more about African-American history and things like that. And that's really yeah. a real place to start because we have great faculty to do it. Um, my African 101 class with Dr. Mingo, uh, learning about black women was so key and so you know rewarding for a lot of students who hadn't had that experience but wanted to learn more about um, you know black women and this, the way that they do certain things and why they do certain things. You know, And it's so key to take classes like these and courses like these because it really gives you Especially even even for black students, you know, a great intro that you hadn't learned before. You know, I definitely did a lot of reading in that class. It definitely helped me, um, you know, check my privileges as a man as well. And you know, being in a class, um, you know, with a majority black woman was definitely really interesting for me. And seeing that, especially with um, you know the other black men that were in the room, and having us understand that we do have a certain amount of privilege that we have, even though we are um, all African American uh, when it came to the black men that were in the room. As men, we did have a certain amount of privilege that we had to, you know, understand and check as well. Yeah. And it's just things like that, you know, that we can really understand um, within uh, an intersectional kind of kind of view within these African American studies classes. That's that's the biggest thing for me. Um, but in terms of other departments and other majors, I can't really um, speak on how much they talk yeah. about certain black people just because of the fact that I really didn't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I guess yeah. just on the topic, like mm-hmm. as a member of the Smith College of Business, okay. something that I have noticed in a lot of my classes that I feel like it's lacking when you're introducing like African-Americans um, that have been successful. But one particular class that I think did a great job was Management 301 because it introduced people like Ursula Burns, yeah. who's an African-American woman who's the CEO, or I guess former CEO of Xerox, mm-hmm. or like um, the CEO of Pepsi, Andrew Newby, mm-hmm. um, who's a woman. And it, I believe she's Latinx. I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure. But I thought that did a really great job when you're speaking to 700 students and they might not be coming from a diverse background saying, hey, look at these people that are really important and that have done great things mm-hmm. and are black mm-hmm. or are Latinx mm-hmm. is really good. But that's, I feel like it's in the college of business, it is lacking besides mm-hmm. that one class. But I think that's a great example. Yeah. And um, we, BSU at least, there's a lot of um, partnership with um, Black Male Leadership Symposium, which is a SMEAL, uh, which is SMEAL org, and also the Multicultural Women's Forum, which is another SMEAL org. And they talk a lot about, um, you know, the lack of diversity within SMEAL. And yeah. um, the fact that, you know, it's really difficult to get professors, uh, at least black faculty in SMEAL that can really, you know, understand things that they're going through or, or talk about certain things. A lot of, a lot of people, um, once got the professors, want professors that would at least, you know, be, everyone was a Raymond professor, right? But a professor that, that would at least be able to relate with them on certain issues, right? And that's a big thing. And when colleges... Um, 
you know, likes Mill, which is probably one of the more valuable um, colleges at this university, um, you know, not to, you know, kind of put sides against each other, but definitely a really valuable college at the university. Um, you know, it's important to have, you know, representation within your faculty, within sure. your staff, within even people, um, even within your TAs, you know, your grad students and things like that. So that's definitely a big thing that they yeah. express. I guess the last thing I want to say on the business thing is, is you've seen businesses in the actual, I guess, real corporate world move more and more to diversity and diverse hiring, yeah. which is really important. But I don't think it, it's exactly followed at the college level. Mm -hmm. um, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to add that in the fall semester, I, I think it was the the master's theater program here at Penn State mm -hmm. put on a show at the downtown theater called Your Blues Ain't Sweet Like Mine. Oh, I saw that. It was yeah, really I don't good. Know if any, yeah. You, if you saw it, they did a, a really good job highlighting. I'm remembering in one scene in particular where two characters were having a discussion about all of these notable um, black characters in American history that have mm -hmm. been so influential mm -hmm. across, you know, across careers, whether it be writers, musicians, poets, mm -hmm. what have you, mm -hmm. and really talking about how, you know, Black History Month does a great job of... Mm -hmm allowing people to become more aware of these really important figures mm -hmm. but this did a, this scene did a great job of showing that like we're we're still really far behind yeah. from where we should be and i just thought that was a really great production yeah yeah um and then i guess this is pretty broad you kind of touched on it a little bit when talking about donald trump but i guess what are your personal thoughts on the current political climate and i guess you can go to like any issue you want but just uh -huh. kind of what's happening right now um i mean you know in general I think I, I would say that it's, I don't want to say it's getting worse before it's getting better, but I think because of the fact that midterms are coming up and, um, you know, obviously, hopefully at least there, there'll definitely be, you know, a shakeup in Congress in terms of representation, Democrats and Republicans. Um, he's getting a lot more aggressive when, when he says certain things, for example, saying SO countries in terms of, you know, oh, you, know, yeah. really, you know, really valid countries and things like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, even even just today, um, you know, putting out a memo that that literally just says witch hunt. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's it's stuff like that that shows you know how aggressively desperate not just him but that whole administration is really getting. Um, but in terms of um, climate, as at least as it relates to um, people of color and and I would say students of color as well because we're on a college campus. Um, I don't know. I I think that. A lot of people definitely do feel unsafe, especially on this campus. That's definitely something that a lot of students have, um, you know, definitely pointed out a number of times. But I think, in terms of organizing and uh, you know activism, especially on our end, um, it's definitely been heightened, and it's good. You know, I think that it's something. It's almost a necessary evil that had to happen for a lot of us to really, you know, kind of get up and step up and start, you know, doing a lot of this important work that we've been doing, right? And. Um, you know, having somebody like Donald Trump, you know, kind of come into office definitely, you know, shook a lot of people up to, you know, start doing a lot of, you know, really important work and, you know, getting a lot of people um, in action to really, you know, register to vote, to start voting, you know, because a lot of people, 46% of Americans voted, 40% of eligible Americans voted in 2016. That's, you know, that's a big problem. And on, on a campus like this, you would want, especially, especially speaking for my community, you would want as many people as possible to get their vote and, and to vote, you know what I'm saying? In a place like Pennsylvania, right, where a lot of people who could be probably from, what, the Philadelphia area or something like that, or, or you know, a big, really important area like Bucks County or something like that, right? You would want as many people as possible to vote so that somebody like this doesn't ever win again, right? And, um, you know, you know, it's, in, in a way, it's definitely helped me understand, um, at least on my end, what, I need to do in terms of um, mobilizing young people, especially mobilizing people 
um, who who are in inner cities or who are in places like mine, like New York, and I've done a lot of work there, um, you know, with the mayor's office and with Amnesty International and things like that, um, in terms of um, you know getting people registered to vote and having people understand the voting process as well, especially because a lot of people really aren't as educated as they should be on certain voting issues, and that could be for obviously for a variety of reasons, but. The biggest thing for me is, you know, getting people, you know, interested, involved, and then, you know, obviously engaged. And that's those are the three biggest things. Yeah. I think something definitely you said there at the beginning is really important when you said that students feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's just kind of like an interesting irony in that legally, if you look at um, specifically the issue I'm talking about is DACA, mm-hmm. how legally the situation has gotten a lot worse and how there's a lot of people that feel unsafe. But in terms of actual society and the individual person, I feel like the mindset has shifted to where... They feel that undocumented immigrants and dreamers are like, I guess, victims of this administration. So it's just kind of a weird thing where you're seeing like a lot of movement and a lot of um, like good things come out of just the negative nature of the government right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I went to a, an event right after the election with the uh, the ACLU and they spoke. And I think to a lot of what you were touching on is how, you know, we were faced. America was faced with this really horrible outcome of the 2016 election and yeah. we do face as a nation and especially I think people of color and people like DACA and undocumented immigrants face a lot of challenges and a lot of threats really coming from the administration but if there's one silver lining to this cloud it's that people have really become more engaged and I really agree with what you were saying that we have to look on the well, we our only option is to look on the bright side and look at how people have become more engaged and more aware of issues and I think I mean that is a big positive, although there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, this will probably be our final question. Um, it's pretty general. Um, you might not have anything for this, but is there anything you'd like to ac- uh, ask us um, or discuss in turning, uh, particularly with college Democrats or politics on campus or anything like that? Um, I think my biggest thing, um, so since I'm on the podcast, I might as well say it here, which is, which is the best way to really say it. Um, definitely in terms of... Um, I guess collaborative efforts and collaboration. Def- um, are there? I mean, obviously, it's almost the end of the year, so there might be a shift in like leadership and stuff like that. But are there really any efforts in place to do more collaborative work with um, organizations like a BSU or like Black yeah. Caucus or, or Latin See, Caucus or things? Like I, that? I think that's actually a really big issue in yeah. the College Democrats. That's yeah. something I would personally mm-hmm. like in my personal platform. I guess for the Democrats moving forward is to work with those groups. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of um, I guess work. there's a lot of work with Latino Caucus because mm-hmm. we've had connection there for a while. Yeah. But um, in terms of outreach, I think it's been really dismal and really like a, a terrible job, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, we've worked to try to build like a progressive roundtable at the beginning of the year. But it's essentially one of those things where it just never happened and fell through. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I definitely um, agree with your sentiment there. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's like personally one of the things that I would love to change going forward. Mm-hmm. I think the reality is that the Democratic Party and the College Democrats in general are in some ways, a social justice organization. Mm-hmm. We have to support diverse groups, and mm-hmm. I don't think we're doing an effective job of that. Mm-hmm. But that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Definitely, because my, my biggest thing was, I mean, I've definitely, <clears throat> I definitely um, ran it by my executive board, and I told them um, one of the things that we definitely should do, hopefully for the end of the year, if not, like definitely at the beginning of next year, is um, a collaboration with, with college Democrats and with um, you know, organizations definitely that are in line with what we believe and what they believe yeah. too. And I think it's it's important to have that you know kind of space because def- um, I mean I was approached by a friend to, you know, to go to a college I mean, at the very beginning of the year, and um, I couldn't I wasn't able to go, but they went and they told me that 
there was almost there were almost like no people of color that oh, were out yeah, there. Yeah, that's a huge issue. You know? yeah. And for me, that kind of that kind of put me up because I was like, why would it, you know, why is why are there no people going? You know what I mean? And yeah. so for me, that's definitely why I kind of um steered away a little bit from it. It wasn't that it wasn't the fact that, oh, I don't want to go here. I don't I don't like these people, but like I want to be able to go and kind of feel comfortable in that space, even if I didn't, you know, know anybody at all. You know what I mean? So that's definitely um a big thing for me is kind of, you know, pushing um Organizations like like you guys that have a lot of, for the most part, a lot of power on campus in terms of you know you know politics and things like that, and reaching out to different people, um, and, you know, kind of making it an inclusive space for a lot of more people um, is definitely important. I think that's a really valid concern. Yeah. I, I agree with all, all that you guys have said. Yeah. I think it's really important that we keep um, along people like great people like Freddie, yeah. you know, who have a ton of great ideas and a ton of great affiliations with. In numerous yeah, Freddie is so affiliated. He's so, like he's so involved, right? Office, and so I think we, office, we need yeah. to do a better job with, especially with outreach mm-hmm. and just enrollment as a whole. Yeah, no, I definitely like. Yeah, you just echoed my thoughts on that because I've been thinking that for a long time, um, just like moving forward. But yeah, that's just something I noticed. It's like a pretty big issue, and I would love to fix that more towards in the future. Um, so if there's nothing else you guys want to discuss, uh, this has been the Penn State College Democrats uh, cast. Wow. Um, I'm Tom. This has been Sean. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Sean the Activist. It's a great Twitter account. A lot of good tweets. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Yeah. I appreciate it. Okay.